My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. It's the Breakfast Club, the world's most dangerous morning show. Hey! Angela Yee is kind of like the big sister that always pokes you in the forehead. <laughs> That's not how it goes? That's not how anything goes. Yemi's really like a robot. One of the best DJs ever. Believe that. Charlamagne is the wild card. And I'm about to give somebody the credit they deserve for being stupid. I know, that's right. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Oh. Listen to The Breakfast Club weekday mornings from 6 to 10 on 106.7 The Beat. Columbus is real hip-hop and R&B. Welcome to Strictly Business, Variety's weekly podcast featuring conversations with industry leaders about the business of media and entertainment. I'm Cynthia Littleton, co-editor-in-chief of Variety. Well, this is a very special episode of Strictly Business. Indeed, I am coming to you uh, live on tape while hurtling through the French countryside, heading north to Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris. I am just left Marseille about 10 minutes ago. Dear listeners, thanks for riding with me on a special episode of this podcast. It combines my love for trains and my love for yakking about the media business and how it's changing. I captured some thoughts while locomotoring through the French countryside after covering the MIPCOM market and conference in Cannes during the week of October 16th. As always, it's so eye-opening to travel overseas and see how vast the media world is beyond the confines of the U.S. I pick up insights just walking around the crossette and environs. I also picked up a head cold somewhere along the way, but armed with throat lozenges, I soldiered on. I was fortunate to be asked by MIPCOM organizers to conduct sit-down interviews with three high-profile subjects. Paramount Global CEO Bob Bakish was named MIPCOM's Personality of the Year. Maxime Seda, CEO of Canal Plus, was Variety's Vanguard Award recipient, recognizing his contributions to the global TV business. And Eva Longoria and Chris Abrego traveled to the French Riviera to announce their new production and talent development venture, Hyphenate. Also, during my rounds at the Palais, I had an emotional interview with Nadav Palti, CEO of Israel's Dory Media. That's all coming up after this break. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, 
offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing. And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English, and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app. And we're back with observations on the global content marketplace. I would say that Mipcom was a busy market, if not a buoyant market. There was lots of activity, lots of talk about deals. There were some deals that were signed there uh, in the Palais and in the Quasette, but a lot, as always with these kind of conferences, there's a lot of conversations that initiate and then a lot of paperwork and lawyer work that has to ensue. But definitely everyone, all the big and small, established and relatively new, everybody was having meetings. There was a lot of activity and that all seemed to reflect the other cross currents, which is unmistakably the large European players sense opportunity out there. They are very much watching the turmoil in the U.S. at the U.S. majors between the labor strikes that have handicapped production this year to all of the restructuring, the streaming losses that the old guard studios have incurred as they try to make the transition from linear to streaming. All of that is being watched very carefully by very savvy European players. Every single person I spoke with mentioned to me, you know that there's such a lower price point for production in Europe. You can just sense that there's going to be a push to bring more production to Europe, arguing that there is a ready talent pool that has been become very skilled with the streaming boom. There is so much production all over Western Europe, Eastern Europe, and that ensues. And with that comes a skilled talent pool that is that is looking for work. Of course, they're watching to see the great contraction if the streamers have less appetite than they have had in the last couple of years. But the kind of European and co-production projects that are really kind of humming are the kind of lower price point things that streamers want. They may only appeal to a niche audience, but that niche audience is going to love that costume drama from Sweden or a wry satirical comedy coming out of Brazil with subtitles. All of the producers I spoke with mentioned that the tyranny of dealing with subtitles and dubbing is over. Audiences in the U.S. and other markets that had been thought to be totally resistant to to either subtitles or dubbing is absolutely lifting, and certainly subtitles is winning for many reasons. The U.S. was a big holdout for that, but all the much evidence shows that those fears are definitely lifting, and that raises the hopes of 
many, many producers, and especially the labor strife, which is something Hollywood hasn't had in a long time, and especially to this degree. Europe is very well aware of general strikes and the general sense of when there is a period of labor unrest, and there is definite efforts to emphasize the appeal of working with European talent in, in many ways. I took a lot of meetings during my three days at MIPCOM. I was very excited to meet a couple of compelling female CEOs, including Telepool CEO Yoko Higuchi Zitzman. And it's funny that I had to travel all the way to Cannes to learn that that company, based out of Munich, is owned by Will Smith's Westbrook company. I knew it on paper, but it, the significance of it and the interesting parts of it didn't sink in till I was sitting talking with them in their booth in the Palais. Yoko brought with her to MIPCOM a very big swing for their company, Davos 1917, a big, sudsy, soapy, limited series that has romance, espionage, intrigue. It seems like the kind of costume drama that is going to be catnip for some streamer, and it's already set up well in Europe with a couple of public broadcasters, and she's excited about the potential for that project. I could stand here and talk about the media business and watch the French countryside go by for a few more hours, but I can tell I'm wearing thin the patience of my fellow passengers. So more to come. Paramount Global CEO Bob Bakish first came to MIPCOM years ago as head of Viacom's International TV Channels Group. Today, he's leading the entire company through a difficult period of transition, but his confidence that better days are ahead comes through loud and clear in our conversation. As you sit here today, how do you feel, you, have, you articulated that Paramount had sort of taken its third way, how do you feel about the health of Paramount streaming business and the, sort of the, how do you feel about Hollywood's long-term decision made about five years ago to really go for it into direct-to-consumer. Do you think that the business maybe went a little too headlong into direct-to-consumer? Yeah, so I'd say a couple things. Um, first, I'd reiterate what you said, which is two years ago, we said 2023 was our peak investment year in streaming. Today, we're still saying that. It's our peak investment year in streaming. And, and we've also said publicly that 2024 will be a year of significant earnings growth for the company, driven by significant reduction in streaming losses. So we said that two years ago. We, we had a plan that reflected that, and we continue to believe that today, point one. Point two is, and really zooming out a, a little, um, yes, there has been uh, continued discussion about streaming and, and the robustness of that business and profitability and all of that. And... Um, at the same time, I would say, sitting here today, it's more true than even two years ago that it's going to be important that you have a significant uh, exposure, exposure in a positive way, to streaming, because consumers continue to move that direction. The linear ecosystem remains, but it is, you know, continues to be in a gradual decline, and streaming continues to get bigger. Uh, you only have to look at the numbers to know that. So, it's vitally important that we build a streaming business. Uh, the other point I'd make, and it really goes back to the licensing one, is you know, people like simple answers. And what was in vogue as a simple answer was the way to be in streaming was 100% owned and operated D2C in every market around the world. And I think the reality is, frankly, I know the reality is not that simple, that, that we believe and, and are beginning to demonstrate that a more multifaceted approach to streaming 
which among other things embraces partnerships, is the more fiscally responsible and ultimately more financially powerful way to unlock the, if you will, streaming TAM, total addressable market. So um, yeah, there's a lot of discussion about streaming and certainly call it the streets uh, view on valuation of streaming has moved adversely in the last two years. But the importance of having a scale streaming asset, uh, again, in a multifaceted way, it's never been more important. Uh, and again, I think once again, we are leading as we did in ad-supported streaming with Pluto. We were the first major media company to get into that. People said, what is that? And they turned around three years later and we took a $70 million business and took it over a billion. And people were like, oh, you're right, that's a real business. Um, just like Paramount Plus, when we launched it, we said lower price tier with ads, higher price tier without ads because we want to give consumer optionality. People question that. Now, fast forward today, pretty much the whole marketplace is there. This is another one where streaming is a multifaceted business. Sure, we're going to be O&O, D to C, in major markets in the world, US, UK, we're in others. But there's going to be an additional part of that business that's going to have different models. And that's okay. In fact, that is more attractive. And, and what we need is the street to really understand that. And I do think the earnings turn, if you will, from 23 to 24, which is really the macro headwind people are looking for, call it clarity on. Once they see that and then start to see these things are incrementally valuable, I think the valuation picture gets much better. So yeah, we're in the trough. So be it, we play through. Canal Plus CEO Maxime Seda was remarkably candid during our conversation after he received the Variety Vanguard Award. I certainly didn't expect him to start by detailing the number of times the company almost died. He certainly grabbed the audience's attention. If you want to talk about the last seven or eight years, you have to think about the history of Canal Plus because it has driven a lot of our actions. And one of the key elements regarding Canal Plus is that it's a company that has almost died several times, disappeared. Right after it was launched in 84, it was the first believed it was a hit, but then a gigantic failure. And for a while, it was on the brink of disaster. And then it happened several times over its history. And I joined in 2004 and 2002, 2003, Again, Canal Plus was on the brink of disaster. And then we had a very difficult time when I was appointed CEO as well. So you start to develop, first of all, a survivor syndrome, like should, I be, should this company be <laughs> existing? Uh, is, there, is there a sense to us continuing in this environment? And then you, once you think that, yes, you should be existing, uh, you, you develop some kind of survivor's instincts. And so a lot of our actions have been driven by, and my actions have been driven by, my obsession for the company to survive, actually. It's a very different state of mind than when you're on the offensive uh, and you want to be a global player at Netflix and you have the resources, the financial resources to, to, to do that. Mm -hmm. And totally different from the history of European broadcasting being, you know, state-run and a few small independents that still had that state support. Canal Plus, you, you are in the marketplace. You rise and fall. Oh, yeah. I think I can really clearly state that we have no support, no support. Um, Other we, than your viewers. Well, we have support from the talent and the environment, and we have a lot of support from, uh, from the actors in the industry, but from the, the regulatory standpoint, it's a very complicated uh, market. France and Europe in general is a, is a very highly regulated market. 
and so very complicated to, to survive again. But um, based on what, what I said and the fact that the company was in a tough situation and was losing a lot of money in France, uh, your home market, so you're trying to think about how do we expand, but maybe the first thing to do is to you know, solve your French domestic situation. We, it was a very tough time for Canal Plus when I was appointed because we had to do very significant cost reductions, close to 20% of our cost base. We did something that you never recommend in business school to do, which is to lower the price. So we lowered the price to, to find some growth again. Um, and and uh, generally, at the same time, we decided to expand overseas. So again, very risky. But uh, when, again, when you have survival instinct, you think you're really best when you're at the, you know, in the toughest situation. And I think that's, and distribute, and thank you again for distribute and the kind words, and I really appreciate what, what Michelle and, and Lucy said. Um, this, for me, is a tribute to the teams, to the Canal Plus teams, and I'm not, you know, being, uh, uh, it's not, it's, it's, it's true. I mean, the teams at Canal Plus are super committed, and they're never better, never stronger than when the situation is, is very tough. So when you look at Canal Plus, it was a very French company, very dependent on a few rights. One of them is actually happening today. There's the tender for the French soccer domestic rights today. Uh, and I announced publicly that we were not participating. Uh, and in 2018, we lost that right. And at the time, uh, our studies were telling us that half of our subscribers would probably leave if we didn't have that right. We were so dependent on that right. Mm -hmm. that, that, uh, and you know, it's a fixed cost base. So if you lose half of your subscribers, again, right. you're dead. Right. Um, so um, again, the obsession of the team and my personal obsession was to reduce all our dependencies. We were too dependent on the French market. How do we go overseas and reduce that dependency? We're too dependent on French domestic soccer. You know, so we expanded it to motorsports, you know, Formula One, MotoGP, Rugby, Champions League. And then how do you expand from that? And we signed output deals with all Hollywood majors. And then we signed a very significant, the most significant deal with French cinema. Uh, and then you say, okay, how do we use again dependency? And that's when I went to see uh, Reed Hastings in Los Gatos. Um, I think it was now maybe five years ago or six years. I think I'm the only European who actually went to Los Gatos. <laughs> I can claim that. Uh, and I went to see Reed and I had a very long conversation with him and tried to convince him that we were not necessarily competitors, mm -hmm. that he was on the same side as Canal Plus because he was trying to convince people to actually pay for content. Mm -hmm. And we started integrating the platforms into our offers, Netflix and then Disney Plus, uh, and, and then Lionsgate, mm -hmm. uh, and then Paramount Plus, and finally Apple TV Plus. And would you say, I mean, it seems like the timing of, and I appreciate your candor about where you were at that time, it seems like the timing of the, what, I, what I said about Netflix and the focus of the idea that content companies can be more than just their geographical yeah. boundaries, that seems like a perfect timing for what you needed to do for your own business. I, th I think what you said is completely true on Netflix, and we owe so much to Netflix. To be honest, we owe so much. Because they showed the way. They showed it was possible to have shows and movies travel, mm -hmm. to build scale like they did. Uh, and then, uh, you know, before they launched in France, they were already very strong in the US, so I had a head start. And just one example is I went, we, had, we were co-producing a show with Sky at that time called Tunnel. And I thought, we need to launch Binge. Because if we don't, then they'll launch in France and say, Canal Plus is the old television. We're the new player and we're launching Binge. So I, I wanted to launch Binge before they did. I had the head start. 
but I need to convince Sky. So I, I came to London, I went to London and convinced our partners from Sky to launch Binge. So we were able to take advantage of the fact that we had some kind of time before they launched in France. And so we could appreciate the extent to which really they made you know, a number of new innovations that we could, some of them, we could launch before them. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with Eva Longoria and Chris Abrego and Dory Media's Nadav Palti. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. And we're back with observations on the international marketplace from Eva Longoria, Chris Abrego, and Dory Media's Nadav Palti. Chris Abrego and Eva Longoria came to Cannes with big news of their new partnership backed by one of Europe's most dynamic media companies, Banaget. What's more, Chris gets to keep his day job as Banaget's Chairman of the Americas. Here, the partners explain the meaning behind the hyphenate moniker. We are really excited about this. Chris and I have known each other 20, 25 years. I think my first producing credit was with Chris. Um, and I remember when... You can spot talent. Yeah, you can spot talent. <laughs> and Chris was, uh, you know, at an, a, a robust production company of his own. And I remember him taking the leap into uh, an executive. I actually made fun of him the first time he wore a suit because um, he didn't own any suits. And what I liked most about partnering with Banerjee as well was all of them are producers at heart. They're very entrepreneurial and very producer-minded, which you don't find in our industry. You have the executive, you know, that gives notes and, you know, tells you how to do the production who's never produced before. So that's frustrating. We've voiced a lot of these frustrations. But as a hyphenate, you know, I'm an actor, producer, director. People think I'm an actor-turned-producer-director. I've always been a producer-director that fell into acting. So I've always been very interested and more curious about being behind the camera. But I kept getting into these overhead deals that could not service my ambition. And by definition, a multi-hyphenate is somebody who does more. You know, I want to do more. And that multi-hyphenate isn't surviving in Hollywood because it's an industry that really wants you to stay in your lane. They really want you to stay in your box. And specifically if you're a person of color or a woman. And so when Chris and I started talking about this a couple of years ago, it was, a, it was my frustration and his ambition that kind of met. And we said, oh my gosh, you know, it's not just me that feels this way. I know so many amazing, incomparable creators who are being suffocated by the system. And so Hyphenate is going to provide an alternate model. And we really have a modern approach to how to create visionary content that is culture-defining for the most diverse generation we are ever facing. Yeah, that's yeah. perfectly, I think, said. If I would add to that, it's just when you think of, if you think the, about the actual hyphen as a punctuation mark, it's that that puts two words together. In our world, as Eva said, the multi-hyphenate is a world builder. 
And they really are because both Eve and I have been outsiders in this industry, right? I mean, though we met, I don't think anybody would have bet on us, you know, well over 20 years ago. And so we have to build it ourselves mainly. It's always, and these, nothing's ever been handed to us in a sense. And so now we're in this position with Hyphen at Media Group um, to bet on people who've been underestimated. Or underinvested in. Or more importantly, yeah. underinvested in. The outbreak of war between Israel and Hamas has been a dark cloud hanging over the world, and it certainly was felt at MIPCOM. Nadav Palti, CEO of Israeli production distribution firm Dory Media, made a very considered decision to stick with his plan to attend MIPCOM, despite all that was happening in his native country. Here, Nadav offers a profound explanation for why it was important to keep Dory Media's business plans on track, and he also offers powerful examples of how storytelling can build vital cultural bridges. Let's start at the beginning. Obviously, you come to MIPCOM with Dory Media, busy producer, distributor. You have a lot of business going on. And less than two weeks ago, war breaks out. Brutal, cruel, senseless war breaks out. How, do, how does that affect you as a, as a business, Dory Media? What, what do you think that the impact of this senseless violence is going to be? I know the emotional costs cannot be valued. They are beyond valuation. But from the, from the business sense for Dory Media, what do you think this situation in Israel is going to mean for Israeli media, which is so big and growing? Yeah, for, first, we have to say that it's really one of the saddest, toughest and hard uh, period in maybe in the history of Israel. And everybody in Israel is very, as you described, sad, worried, and um, not, not all of the Israeli even think or know how it's going to end or what's going to happen, how it's going to develop. Uh, but I, I want to say that I saw what I saw in Israel, that we were very, uh, how to say, we have a, a huge debate before, like 10 months before, a lot of demonstration, like very not together. Right, against, I know, Netanyahu's policies yeah. can be divisive. Uh, and this was very uh, sad also. This was very sad. Now, what's happened here, that we are now in one second, when it's happened, all the Israelis units get united back. And everybody's volunteer, who, people can go to the army, go to the army, all the rest is volunteers, is doing the best that they can say to support all the people around. So uh, it, it's a very problematic uh, time for Israel. It's not now what's happened. It's undescribable, okay? Unspeakable. But it's a, it's a long period that we are not in a, in a very good shape in Israel. And maybe this will somehow will rebuild uh, our society and our country again. Anyway, business-wise, short-term is very tough. Mid-term and long-term, I think we will recover. It will not influence because 
unfortunately also, we had situation in the past, not like this, but we had situation from time to time. Uh, and we are very organized what to do and how to do and how to recover. Um, also, Dory Media is is international and global company. So we produce in Mexico and in Uruguay and in Argentina, and we have a team from all around the world that actually came to now to MIPCOM from Buenos Aires, from Madrid, from Zurich, from Singapore. And unfortunately, the Israeli team canceled, but I have to come because I have to support all the team here. You are the CEO. I am also the CEO. And also our people from Madrid or Buenos Aires are very sensitive and they're concerned. So I have to speak with them. I have to encourage them. I have to tell them that we will continue. And it's not only that we will continue. If we let our enemy, let's call them there, to di dictate our life or dictate what we are doing. And I speak about personal, professional, business life. So they win. We will not let them win. Win is not only in the battlefield. Win is all 360 uh, degrees operation. So one of my toughest decisions is to come here because of this. Okay. Also, my son is in the army now. He's in the reserve in, in Gaza. And unfortunately, we get into, he will get into. So, and I was a commander in the IDF also. In your service? In my service. It was years ago, okay. But, so we know and we understand. Uh, so, on top of all this, we have to continue. We have to, if not, they will win. So the Israeli business, I believe, we have a lot of, first of all, we have TV channels, that they continue 24 seven and they will continue to operate. We have like six TV channels. Uh, production, we produce a lot. We came here with the biggest, or one of the biggest slot ever, with around dozens of, uh, of new show. Part of them is now in a, post-production, editing, others in pre-production that we want to start to shoot in a few months, others in development. So you have a lot of work that you are not shooting. Shooting you cannot do right now, but all the rest you can. So we work. Our offices interview is not closed because uh, the regulations that if you have a shelter in the office, you can continue to work. Uh, but also we allow to the employees to work from home, no problem. And actually we are very organized for this because during the coronavirus the, the pandemic, right. we work from home and we use, so we are doing it very efficient. They educated the corona, how to work from work from home and, uh, and also we are doing it very efficiently. So actually the operation is not really helped. Yes, the people very emotional, a lot of our employees involved somehow with what happened. Some of them went to the army. Some of them have kids in the in the army. Some of them, their neighbor or their friends or the cousins. So everybody involved in this. So it's a very small country. But the operation, I believe, maybe short term we have some influence, but long term uh, and mid term, I think everything will come back. And 
I think maybe it's the opposite. Maybe we'll be stronger and more united. And, 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 and something, unfortunately, from this crisis, a lot of times something good happened after. I want to I want to try to be optimistic, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Because it's a I very sad it's a very that. sad time to the all the Israeli ones. So, business wise, will continue and continue, ongoing. What strikes me is, as just as you said, Dory Media is working in Buenos Aires and Mexico and other all around the world. The media world is more global and more connected than ever, and the political world. We are seeing the far right in my in the U.S., the far right in Europe, to a scary degree. I, I and I, I don't know the answer, but I do you. What explains the disconnect between politics and the entertainment? The world is more than ever watching media from other countries, understanding stories, you know, and and yet we are more as people like fighting and more division do you ever think about that how does that how does that make sense okay it's not only media it's also the people the people is the same people the people get along believe me great the politics and the leaders somehow live from these separated people this is the power that they get out of it this is how they can continue to live and unfortunately, you can see it every place that uh, the leader want to separate, the leader wants to sometimes to uh, go to fight and go to war. And, and, and if you are sitting in every place around the world, in the restaurant or in a hotel or every meeting with different people from all around the world, they get along very fast together because the, the value and the principle is the same. Of, of everybody, uh, but leaders, politicians, built, create themselves, develop themselves. If they can differentiate themselves from others and then they get the power and they get the voter, and then maybe they can go. So this is not only media, it's also, I will give you an example. We have Stiesel, you know the, our show Stiesel? Yes, I've heard of it. I can't say that I've seen it, but I've heard of it. So you have to see it. Stiesel is a great show. It was on Netflix. Now, by the way, we are selling different windows all around the world. But Stiesel is about a family and, and, and people that live in a very orthodox neighborhood in Jerusalem mm-hmm. called 100 Gates. It's one of the most uh, orthodox neighborhood in Israel. And then we sold it to uh, Turkey, to a co- company called uh, OGM. And today, by the way, they are reproduce it in Turkey, remake. It's on air on Star TV, it's a TV channel there, and it wins the rating mm-hmm. every Monday. It's doing a great show, it's great. And they create more episodes than us. And when Unur is the owner and the producer, they called me and said, well, I want to get Stitzer. Uh, I asked him, did you watch it? This is about the most orthodox neighborhood in Israel and their life. And he said, Nadav, you will not believe, but the Islam and the Judaism is the same. Same principle, same value, same family value. 
and he said the 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 relationship between the father and the son in this church is the same like in Turkey in our Islam uh, uh, culture and when the son come to the father and said listen I want to I met a, a widow with the kids and I want to marry her the son the father said what what's happening with you uh, are you are you dumb? Are you you don't have a hand? You don't have a leg? What's wrong with you? And he said, I want to get into the head of this father when he listened it. And the same is in our culture in the Islam. So this is what I want to tell you that it's not the people. It is a leader sometimes. It is a politician. So the Judaism, Islam, Christian. It's the same people, same values, same understanding. Merci for listening to a cantastic episode of Strictly Business. Be sure to leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or Amazon Music. We love to hear from listeners. Please go to Variety.com and sign up for the free weekly Strictly Business newsletter. And don't forget to tune in next week for another episode of Strictly Business. Psst, there's a shortcut to platinum status at Shell. To saving 10 cents per gallon on every fill every day. Just fill up six times with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline and it's yours. Plus, you'll rejuvenate your engine. Get ready to level up performance, rewards, and savings. With continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors, Platinum status is earned with 12 Phillips over three months, 10-gallon minimum per fill-up at participating Shell locations. Terms apply. Visit fuelrewards.com status. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council.